I'm Michael Sean Harris, and you're listening to Mike's Moment Of, a weekly podcast in which I, along with my guests, share our various interests in moments of inspiration, truth, life, technology, culture, and more. I hope you're entertained and informed, and that you feel inspired to join me again and again in my Moments Of. Welcome to Mike's Moment Of, and this is, as promised, the second part to Peter Ashburn's interview, to his second interview, actually. Uh, You heard the first part, it was uh, episode 13, and this is episode 15. Uh, We spoke for about two hours, so I had to split it up into two. So this is the second part, and we're going to pick up the conversation where we left off. All right? So glad you're here. But why uh, why I mentioned Sly Dunbar is because going on through that Sly Dunbar all of a sudden he, he he you know he went on the on the um studio scene he was playing recording sessions mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden well it's it wasn't all of a sudden he had this new voice and he took a different approach to reggae and you know that famous one drop sound yeah he just turned it around straight rock beat Oof, paf, oof, paf, with accent on the first beat. Again. <laughs> okay. Right. It's a good old, it's good old American, right? First beat, backbeat, back yeah. first beat, backbeat. Oh, mm-hmm. I should mention that all of that, ska, ska onwards in Jamaica, was the, the, the introduction of the backbeat into Jamaican music. Jamaican music... Um, Prior to that, was like any anybody else's music in the Caribbean, in in Latin America. No backbeat. The backbeat is something the Americans okay. <laughs> gave to the world. The backbeat comes from the polka, doesn't it? Hmm. Right from from Europe. The doom pat, doom pat, doom pat. The foxtrot. Okay. Yes, yes. The polka yes, yes. and the foxtrot. And that 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 thing about. Um, Strong week, strong week, strong week, right? The um, black Americans took it and made, uh, um, you know, the, this this vibrant beat out of it. You know that. Remember the same thing I said about ska having this 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 kick, this live thing. That's what mm-hmm. the backbeat has. You know your backbeat thing. You know. So if you listen to the the um, um, black American music, you know the twenties, thirties, forties, um, pa, um, pa, um, pa. You know, Cab Calloway, you know, those that stuff. You know, they've all these backbeat stuff. And um Sounds like country music too as well though. Uh, yeah. uh, yes, yes. But you yeah. know, once again it's, it's the polka. The yeah, polka yeah. and the foxtrot. Yeah. While we were we had the <laughs> we had the quadrille and that's, yeah, that's, where, the quadrille. The, that's where the mentor came from. Yes, and you and if you listen to all the music south from Mexico going south, every, all of it, check it out. There's no backbeat. Everything is all, it's always something a little more, something more sophisticated than that. It's patum pa, 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 patum pa, patum pa, or something, or pa, patum pa, ta, ta, pa, pa, 
you know, the merengues and pachangas and mambos right. and things, mm-hmm. no backbeat. Then we have scare, backbeat. And we haven't let go the backbeat yet. Oh, yes, we started to let go the backbeat when it came to dance hall, when dance TV hall, Browning yeah. got in there, which is one of the reasons why I regard him as being important. Okay. Anyway, when Sly Dunbar got his, his voice going, because and that was Channel One, Sly Dunbar and Channel One, um, especially, he turned around the, the whole, that whole reggae beat, and it's a rock beat. So the same things, the, the melodic bass line, the um, a couple of instruments playing the scare, but the bass, but the drum pattern was now not the one drop, but a straight rock pattern. Doof, paf, doof, paf, or doof, paf, doof, doof, paf, right. doof, paf. What are some of the songs that that you were hearing with that when he, all, when he did that? All all the important channel one stuff, except for sling thing. <laughs> <laughs> all the important. Um, um, Stay Dunbar, um, you know, the early thing you can check the channel one listing, right? But, um, remember, Sly and Robbie is Black Uhuru, and um, all of that, all of that stuff. So, it's um, a, so it's a lot, it's also a lot more electronic, actually. I mean, yes, yes, studio, is, yes. By the time, well, you see, by the time we got to the 1980s. Um, electronic music had had evolved enough. It had got sophisticated enough and accessible enough that pop music um, was using it and some people could afford it. This is one thing, you know, Jamaica was always, you'd always, um, Coxon and Dynamic Sounds and Federal, they'd always be buying this equipment. I said this before, right? Right, yeah. That they, they kept getting this equipment. So when the electronics um, revolution came, you know, stuff was here. There was stuff and people were experimenting. People were experimenting. And um, Sly was on, right on the, on the crest of that wave, you know, the, with, um, with the, there was a famous syndrome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sly Dunbar was a syndrome one. You know, do, 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 do. You know, you listen <laughs> to it. Nowadays, you listen to it and cringe. But those days, boy, they were. Yeah. You know. But but because you hear that kind of iconic stuff with the with the, as you said, the black Uhur, but also even with the um. Uh, Grace Jones. Yes, yes, yes. Well, those are the days. That that's that's right. exactly the stuff. Yeah. That's exactly the stuff. Right. And, um, but I mean, that stuff is revered now. I mean, even if you, even though you, I mean, I think maybe at one point. Not too long after it was popular, we cringe. But now we we'll go back and go, listen to that man, that nicey. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. That, that, um, the thing is that I respect some of that stuff much more nowadays than I did then. You know. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's another one of them. Yeah. Here we go. Mm-hmm. It sounded like the one before, but now I realize how revolutionary and you know. How great it was. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, remember that at by that time, though, Bob Marley and the Whalers was, you know, it was starting to make a, an international appearance. Right. And, and, 
as a lot of accounts have have mentioned when but when chris blackwell decided to promote uh, bob marley this type of stuff that bob marley was doing was out, already outdated mm-hmm. you know what, what bob marley the, the the type of reggae that bob marley and whalers were playing was end of the 1960s reggae you know right. end, of, end of the 1960s sort of a cross between rocksteady and reggae Mm-hmm. And so one, it was one, they one were doing ska as well too. I mean, yes, yes, and and you every now and then you'd have the you, well. The nice thing about um, Jamaicans is that um, you could never accuse Jamaicans of being strong on tradition. <laughs> Jamaicans, so so when Jamaicans decide to do a tune, they will grab from any place they they feel like. They don't have any reverence for for anything. They will use it. So. Whalers will do a tune, you know, and it will be a ska tune. And then mm-hmm. the next tune they do will be more like a rock steady tune. And the next thing is, you know, a reggae tune. And the thing is that that, A, it was good music. It was well done um, Jamaican popular music. And it was also getting appreciated internationally. So okay. it had an influence on what was going on in Jamaica, even though sort of in the back of everybody's head is that this is kind slightly old. Right. But what it did... was its own it was it became its own thing, its own identity. And it be I guess it um and this was what the world called reggae. So we couldn't ignore it, you know. Right. But we didn't they re record some of that Bob Bob yes, Mara yes, and the Whalers? We record it slower, more like the you know quote unquote reggae, with the with the rock and the R and B. Yes, there the, the, there was um, there was a definite um, you know, a sort of readjustment of some things, to 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 try and go for the market. I I read somewhere where um, they put I three together. They put together you know judy and and um marcia and and rita and rita together mm-hmm. to um to try and appeal to the black americans because okay. black american acts you know would go on with it with a three voice female backup group okay that that's why they were added okay um well on the other hand, it it was it was also substituting for for Bonnie Whaler and and Peter Tosh, because right, right. and they would do that, but that sort of sound the the the, the male falsetto mm-hmm. was was not what was um it it was inferior to to the, having the three females you know, okay. with that sort okay. of gospelish sound you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So things things like that happen, and and they they um instead of having that constant plucking guitar that you find in the reggae tunes, the rock steady tunes, and the reggae tunes and things, you still find it today. You know, it it, it it's a it's a feature. You know, it either tracks the the bass guitar, the bass line, or right. it does something. You know, something in that region, or something of that type. Instead of doing that, they got a guy to play a blues blues guitar. Mm-hmm. They got Al, you know, 
to to um to play a sort of something in the BB Kingish sort of um thing. Mm-hmm. And it, these were all efforts to sell it, to sell Bob Marley to the to the um to the black Americans, which is so interesting. Like I said, when I when Bob Marley would come through in Boston, I was in, at college in college mm-hmm. at the time, I would go and see them and um you know, what is it? Paul's mall is I think rated for two hundred and fifty people. And there would be about six hundred people in there. <laughs> <laughs> and if the five if the five people ever came, they'd have shut down the place immediately. Right. right? About six hundred people in there. And um four hundred were white Americans. A hundred and eighty-five were mostly Jamaican and other Caribbean people. Right, right. And um the last 25 were black Americans. Okay. That's that's how how the um that's how the demography went. Okay. So it's interesting, you know, that what you know it, because that's Blackwell. So it is said that it is Blackwell that that um did that. And you remember if you read the accounts the um it broke up the whalers, you know. Okay. The, the, um, and I guess and the other the other fellows, I think, didn't like the 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 idea of Bob Marley being put up front. Okay. Because okay. The, the the other two had their own identities as well. So, that's so Blackwell was, Blackwell was the uh, the whalers, Yoko Ono. Yes. <laughs> um. Yeah. And um. And if you listen to Grub Cooper, Grub Cooper, Grub will tell you that. Um. Bob Marley didn't wear locks until Blackwell told him to do so. Okay, it was a package. Yes. Was a, I mean, whether or not um, Bob Marley was into Rastafarian or not, it's just that he, he wasn't, he was your good old bald head. In those right, days, right. people don't, anyway. <laughs> no, say it, what? No, I'm just saying that, that, that the, the romanticization of, of Rasta is is that's one of those rewritten things, you know? Um, okay. Those rewritten things. In the 1960s, it wasn't fashionable to be Rasta. Not at all. Mm-hmm. You'd get endless harassment and um, a lot of the people in Kingston, at any rate, um, were very... Um, 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 they, they were not welcoming to the Rasta people. Which are usually they tried people. to kill them off too, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They <laughs> the all government kind, tried. All kind of foolishness. It's, it's, yeah. uh, it was, <coughs> so, well, so, so the Rastafarian thing didn't get didn't get popular un- until, um, I, as I keep my theory is that when um, when um, Mr. Core's son started growing locks, that's that's when the Rastafarian thing started to cool down. Oh, okay, okay. Because it was uptown. <laughs> because it was uptown, and if you, supposing you end up throwing Mr. the Minister of Finance's son into jail because, because just because he has dreadlocks, you end up, you end up with problems. So, so when did the reggae become more of what, what, I guess what they call international reggae, like with the, you know, the, yeah, well, the third world and once, stuff? Um, you see, once the the 
Jamaica had 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 sporadic hits, you know, from time to time. You know, there was also there was the um you know the My Boy Lollipop was the first of that ska era. You know, before then it was Lord Lord Flea, no, no Lord Flea, and Harry Belafonte. Those okay. were the people Jamaica could c claim connections with. But um, the next thing was My Boy Lollipop, Millie Small, who just died a few days ago, no? Right. Yes. Yes. Um, and uh, then there were a few things. And then there was 007, you know, um, Shantytown, I think they called it, with Desmond Decker. Mm -hmm. 007, the international hit. It was a hit both in England and America, which is, was quite unusual. Then there was um, Bob Andy and Marcia Griffith's cover of Young, Gifted and Black. Right. And, and then we've had these hits at regular intervals, you know, you had... Um, what is it, Lorna and Uptown Top Ranking? Oh, you know, one of those Donna. versions to Althea and Donna. Althea and Donna. It's, yeah. You know, uh, you know, a piece of junk. You know, it's it, a piece of fluff. It's <laughs> one of those things where the the producer, it was his girlfriend apparently. They wanted okay. to, to to sing on a tune, so he said, "All right, <laughs> all right, see the mic, yeah, man, go in there and sing the, we'll run the tape." And and they just sort of made up this thing on the spot, and it was a joke. It was really a, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, England loved it, right? And so it became a big hit. And then the next was um, Ansel, uh, the, the typical thing that many producers did, which was when they had a good rhythm track, you know, the song, you know, maybe the song was sung on it, and you put it out, but you still have a good rhythm track. So you make one of the organists or guitar player, usually an organist, right? Okay. Come in and play something over there. You uh, many times it was Winston Wright, who was this was lovely, a very he, he was a very classy kind of jazz player, and his time okay. was excellent. And a lot of the time it was his melodies and his playing on those instrumentals, those reggae oh. instrumentals. But um, this time they got Ansel Collins, Harry J got Ansel Collins to come in and play. On apparently it was the rhythm track for a very forgettable tune that never even came out. <laughs> okay. And um, Ansel Collins um, played a little melody on top of it. And boom, number one in England. Number one in England. And the bass line for that became I'll Take You There by the Staple Singers. By four, okay. one of the biggest tunes in 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 R and B, one of the really big tunes, and certainly the safest singer's biggest hit. But the song comes from that. So, what was that? What was the name of that song? Liquid, um, um, Liquidator was um, Ansel Collins. Liquidator. Okay. Okay. And the bassline, bo do dip 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 and um, right, oh, the, oh yes yes and right yeah the liquidated uh, yeah. so did he do, do did he get any any well money? The, the thing is well ansel collins i suppose i must have made something out of it i hope i certainly hope he did because if harry j as usual you know those producers the mm -hmm. the artists never got their due okay they might have made some money 
when you see the artist making a nice a nice amount of money for a hit song then you'll know that the producer has made has bought a house <laughs> out of it <laughs> you know okay. so it, it's um the, the the producers the the um the artists from those those years were always cheated. artists artists are still being cheated yeah but it yeah. was um particularly egregious those days particularly bad okay and there was liquidator there is and you know it's always it, 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 um when was there was another one now um remember um you're too girly girly yes right so at regular intervals <laughs> these little jamaican tunes end up you end up on the charts well nowadays of course this is a different era right right two producers two songwriters producers control everything eh what, what do you mean Peter? um well well it was a few years ago i think it was like the early 2000s mm -hmm. there was a documentary it's still on youtube there about the um it it's something that says something about um, the reasons why you don't like the top 40 nowadays why you don't why pop music sounds so bad nowadays i think mm -hmm. and it um one of it is like like 60 percent of the hits of the top 10 hits were produced by two people for the last for, for three years you know through some, some, probably about five years it's crazy and it's that sort of thing that's going on now it's it's um it's it's a formula okay and the music has um, the innovation has disappeared it, it has to um, but it's in the u.s you're talking about i'm talking about the western world oh oh the western world generally speaking the cupboard is bare isn't it i mean yeah. it's the yeah. same thing in i'm complaining about this in in art music that there is uh, for instance in what you in in the what you call the classical side of art music there is constant pressure on somebody to produce you know like a composer to produce something new and fresh right you know you, know, you if if you do something that contains stuff that's going on now or stuff that comes from the last century then it's derived therefore it's worthless so it <laughs> must be new and cutting edge so what has happened is that as a result of this everybody's coming out with this bizarre stuff right just this bizarre and and, and it's you know my complaint is i said 20 minutes of bubble and squeak right 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 you know and, but i find uh, that i find that's kind of different though with, with the pop music though it's, it's like everybody's trying to rec recreate what's what's been done before they're trying to to still fit fill you know to to still do the formula it, to and try and and call it new, but it's it's not new because it's a formula. You mean? Well, it is just some people. Some people are doing. There's always somebody that's recreating the 1960s or 1970s. Uh, it, wasn't that what Bruno Mars was up to? Oh well, yeah, yeah. There's the definitely the 80s and the 90s. He was and, and the 70s, yeah. Yeah. He was he was doing those. Um, but but even but even but even so, I mean, there's nobody. There's well, I shouldn't say nobody. There's not very many people. Who are taking a chance and doing something different, well, um, and um, certainly that in Jamaican music, it's it's not that. All right, you take a chance and you do something, 
and you have a 90% chance that it will never be heard. Why? Because it's not what is happening now. Mm -hmm. or, or maybe it's just junk, you know. But <laughs> <laughs> Possible. But, but the main reason is, is that it's not what's going on now. So when you come with something new, right, it's difficult for it to be heard, right? And it is when, perhaps by mistake, it comes out, and then all of a sudden, there's a groundswell. You say, you know, I like that. <laughs> yes, yes. And then all of a sudden, everybody's rushing down that road. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I keep telling the, the students, I'm sure you've told them this, that it's, it's, it's um, fine for you to say that, ah, that, that is, that fellow, sure. That sounds like this and that and the other. And I say, no, that fellow created the sound. Everybody is sounding like him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's, 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 it's fine for you who know the road to go down. It's he that created the road. <laughs> you know, they, yeah. they, All right. Let's go back now. Um, the dance hall. So we don't get to cleave yet. Uh, well, um, the dance hall... Why I'm, I've I've interviewed Clevia, I think at least twice, could have okay. maybe three times, but it seems to me that e even though Sly was you know involved with the dance hall, you know was a was an important figure in dance hall also, the person who took it you know started giving dance hall a voice of its own. It's really, it was mostly Clevia, you know, because dance hall started off as being a way of reusing those great rhythms from reggae, you know, from the various parts of reggae, mm -hmm. right? You, you get a rhythm from a tune and then you, you make the DJ talk on it and the, and the, and the sing J sing a little something different on it. Right. It becomes a way of using something and repurposing it, you know, that's so you sing, it's a one chord tune and you sing, um, Maurice White's "I Need You" over the one, right? Yes. That's a repurpose. Oh, Tracy Chapman, don't yes, yeah. yes, yes. That those kinds of things. But now Cleavy was the one who, first of all, he turned it into a rhythm, ex a rhythm exercise. Right. You know, I think just, just, you know, you know, when the cynics tell you that African music is just a set of drums. Mm -hmm. No matter what instruments are playing, it's just drums playing. <laughs> yes. yes, this is the sort of approach that TV was doing. Where I, I, I sometimes there wasn't even a bass; it was just a tuned tom. Right. Okay. Tom that was playing the pitch, and it was just rhythm, just riffs going going against each other, and so all of a sudden it was genuine dance hall it was it was something for its own sake it wasn't something that comes from another another era or another style or thing that you're repurposing but in a sense this is where the loop this is kind of the beginning of the of loop based kind of production uh, yes i mean they probably wasn't thought of that way but really it was these patterns but, that were but repeating. jamaican music has made extensive use of this loop thing, you know. Remember the two chord pattern, you know. Right, true. The two true. chord pattern, even the one chord pattern. Yeah. The one yeah, bar uh, pattern. Sorry, the two bar pattern 
or the one bar pattern or sometimes right. if you really get adventurous it's a four bar pattern you know <laughs> yeah and, and no matter what melody goes on yes, on top of it, it's, yes, it just it, keeps it, going um yeah. and so i remember i once or twice Cleve ended up in my house um doing something you know i asked him to come and put on some rhythm and the instrument he used at the time was a Oberheim DX drum machine. Okay. And those days, the you changed the sounds by taking out an EPROM, by turning off the instrument, taking <laughs> out the EPROM, the chip, mm-hmm. and putting yeah. in another chip. And then you turn it back on and use it and thing. So he, it, it was amazing to watch him, you know, and he just layered and put together these intricate little, you know, four-bar patterns and, you know, two-bar patterns and things. So was that with, with was that with, with some kind of a sync? Was it with MIDI sync or? Yes, yes. It, it, okay. it was, it was MIDI sync. It was, it was the, um, what you call it? The, 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 um, the sync tone there. Oh, gosh. Look at that. Simti? I don't remember. No, man, no, no, it wasn't oh. as sophisticated as simply. It was simply the clock, oh. that clock thing. Maybe it's, it's, it's too old for, for you, Michael. Hmm. We, that's the first one we used. Okay. There's okay. a sync tone. I, there's a famous jingle that I did, and it got a lot of play. And I remember I saw Cleve one day. And Cleve said, hey, Peter, how are you doing? You know, didn't you do that jingle? I forget what the name of it is. I said, yes, I did it. Um, and he said, um, um, and he was embarrassed to ask. He says, um, why do I hear a sync tone? I said, okay, <laughs> you heard it. <laughs> it would take somebody like you to hear it. Yeah. It, it was, the sync tone was bleeding across, you know. It, oh, I think okay. I was an eight-track machine those days. And, and so I couldn't spare to, what you do in those things is you leave a track empty the track beside this the the, the sync tone right track or the simpty track you leave that track track so, bare, don't bleed over. so it doesn't mm-hmm. bleed right. but you couldn't aff- we, i couldn't afford to. <laughs> okay and okay. it was just or it must have come up on the on the um on the reverb bus or something like that you know one of those things right and he heard it those days we do those those things but anyway <laughs> cleavy is the one mm-hmm. for instance you see that there's a there's a there's a generic dance dance hall rhythm, you know. All right. First of all, that rhythm, dap 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 dap. That is, like I say, from Mexico to um, what you call the place at the bottom of Argentina. There, the Patagonia. <laughs> no, the bottom of the bottom of Argentina with with, with all the bad weather. Anyway, the, the point is that yeah. that mm-hmm. rhythm, you find that rhythm in almost every culture. Yes, it's, yes, yes. Doop, 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 doop. That rhythm is there. No, Cleavy took that rhythm and his distribution to turn it into low, low, high, low, low, high. Okay. It, that's his idea to turn it into not, you see, it can be done. For instance, a lot of the times I hear, you know, in, you know, South Americans, some, some of the South American music is cock, kick, kick, cock, kick, 
kick cock kick or you know or kick kick cock kick kick right now dance hall it's low low high is doop doop pat doop doop pat doop doop right now that is cleavy's creation and that has become in many ways the kernel the basic kernel of dance hall even though nowadays there's you know there's different things going on different different and um he that mod the thing that you call modern dance hall it's it's almost single-handedly cleaver browning okay everybody follows after him after his after his ideas and but, you know he told me in the in the um one of my interviews the reason why you get all these you know things in there is boredom he <laughs> said he was bored with with putting out this and the, he, he, he said he was bored you know of going for to recording session after recording session doing the same thing so he started putting other stuff in there <laughs> really? everybody left him alone yes yeah and, okay. and they, nobody told him he couldn't do it yeah that's that's a good um sort of confluence because cleavy's ideas were flowing at a time when people would let him let him you know let his ideas flow because right. sometimes people turn up with good ideas and and the, the ideas and are rejected yes yeah. Yeah. Mm. so it, it was um happy accidents yeah i mean that that same that low low high you know yes has gone on no i mean from from the murder she wrote became reggaeton reggaeton yes reggaeton and then became even though people have other people electronic musician people have um a different timeline and different thing it became mumbaton as well which is a different thing but reggaeton and but it's the same it's the same beat is a boop, boop, ba, boop, boop, ba, you know so um i'm very i was very interested because i i know that a number of years ago when was it in in the at the 2000s some some i was part of a discussion of musicians you know and we were some of us some of the old guys you know were saying you know um that they were saying that that dance hall will never be as successful as reggae my i tend to agree with that i tended to agree with that but my reason was that I'm all I'm suspicious of a type of music that leaves out one of the cornerstones, one of the main components. You know, they take out the pitch component, the pitch component becomes, you know, relatively unimportant. Mm-hmm. And I'm suspicious if you remove that from from music can it stand up for very long, you know? That's that's what well, I Why 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 do you say the pitch component is removed? Well, in terms of melody melody kind of yes they they in other words the concept of melody has disappeared there it, it's a or or replaced by a different concept let's put it that way but i mean there's rap but there's also i mean but i guess it depends on how you're looking at melody because even within even within dancehall um some of it you know there's there's melody there's melo- melody in the spoken thing the, you know you know what i mean yes the, the, of course there's a pitch component right. in it right uh yes um but my contention is still that whatever form it is it is in i'm wondering how long that can that can last you know i, I mean can that um 
obtain. Hmm. Well, I mean, it's because, um, because in I, other words, how how far can it grow? Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess it depends on the, the chances. Because I guess you know, and again, I'm going back to rap. People were saying that about rap when it when rap came on the scene as well. No, no, I no. The, the, the rejection you know. of of rap as you know as a form because you know it it, it, it first of all that was the rejection was a mixed up thing. You know, it, that had all sorts of biases in there. Right, yes. Right. But, America. Yes, yes. <laughs> but so so we have to be understand some of that. But uh, musicians, if you have to <laughs> understand musicians their their first reaction to that would be um on a musical level would be, you know, um what the hell is that at the very most polite? Or or is it's horror, you know, because the quote melody has gone you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um and then when you get more used to it and say well yes i suppose as a concept it can work yeah okay and musicians like me the ones who have been through that mill of manipulating notes mm-hmm. and manipulating at, you know at, you know blocks of sound perhaps but we're manipulating and then all of a sudden it becomes words spoken word right it it's difficult for people like me to to um try and see you know how far this can go mm-hmm. that's um tends to be my thing I, I i notice and i've been trying to use it myself as a matter of fact you know the the, the this thing about putting a pitch to the spoken word right and making those funny melodies out of them, you know, that mm-hmm. where you use the inflection of the voice. Right. I, I think that's interesting. But, all of, Michael, mm-hmm. I have a CD. It's an old, therefore it's old, you know. It's, it's probably <laughs> from, from the 2000s, right? Of a string quartet playing some, you know, contemporary music. And I listen to the thing, and it has all sorts of, you know, very interesting, intriguing pieces in there. You know, there's one that starts off, you know, like like a late romantic, uh, you know, a neo-romantic piece, mm-hmm. and then about a minute into it, one of the instruments just goes a slide, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the rest of them go, yeah, and. It, they start sliding all over the place, and the rest of the tune is the strings sliding from one pitch to another. The okay. rest of the piece, you know, for the for the rest of the five minutes or the six minutes of it, and you know, intellectually, it's interesting. You know, you're trying mm-hmm. a thing, but I don't want to listen to that for twenty minutes. Oh, yeah. yeah. And when, um, so when I listened to the whole album, I think I may, might even have listened to it again, you know, for a second time around. And listened to it and said, okay, fine, you know, interesting. But the only tune on there that I would really listen to for a long stretch was that first tune in there. What is it? And I pick up the CD and look, and it's Stravinsky. <laughs> the one old guy in there. <laughs> right, okay. Everybody else is, is contemporary, you know, is a late 20th century, you know, composer. And the one thing that I think is the nicest music in there, it's Stravinsky. 
And so this is kind of what I'm, you know, maybe it's age talking that that I'm saying with with this this stuff that's going on today. Right. You know, maybe it's maybe it's age talking, but I'm uh, I'm too cynical. I've heard it all. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know. What do you think of the the pop music of today? I'm I'm very disappointed with it. Well, I mean, I think for the. <laughs> I think there was a there was a time a few years ago where when I was really really bored, uh, but honestly I've been hearing s- some stuff now that I really kind of like, and I guess I like I'm liking it for different reasons. It's not it's not the the wonderful progressions that I used to love in in other you know years gone by or whatever, mm-hmm. or or maybe not even always the, the wonderful melodies. Um, but you do hear some of that still. You know, one and you know, a song might come out every couple of months or every couple of years that that has that. Yeah, but years I, is more like it. yeah, every couple of years. But similar to with the dancehall, I think what I really appreciate with the dancehall stuff and with a lot of the pop music is the production. And I guess because I'm a technology person, you know, music synth and stuff. So I'm 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 appreciating the, the production quality and I'm appreciating. The textures that they have come up with, and and uh, the even the arrangements, you, you know, um, sometimes you know there's other aspects of it that will let me down, but there's other things that that I that I do appreciate that I I'm listening for that that are like you know candy I guess to my ears in in some way, um, and it, it's unfortunate that sometimes the, the the melodies have been reduced to you know Cliches. a span of yeah, a cliche. But I mean, but cliches are cliche. It work, but it works. But it's not even so much the cliches that is that they've they've reduced it down to like a, you know a five note range, or, mm-hmm. if so much. And it's like you you sometimes you can hear in the songs where it could develop into something wonderful, and it just doesn't go there. <laughs> you know, it says, "Yeah, I'm gonna go there. I'm Michael, gonna go." There. Nope, I'm not. I'm not. Michael, you're you're saying what? I'm saying what I, basically I'm saying, but you're far more polite than I. Right? <laughs> I just say it's crap, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but I mean, there's a one and two bright spot that you that you that you hear now and then, you know, and you go. I oh, that's cool. I hope so, but yeah. um, when I started being interested in pop music you know after doing i think by then i I'd, I'd done five years of classical music and then i discovered pop music and my i had two obsessions right and they were the the burt Bacharach, hal david stuff mm-hmm. um and motown and not so much motown the singers the songwriters and the band. That's and the arrangements. Yeah, the, the, those those ultra sophisticated arrangements. The ultra sophisticated songs. The songs yeah. with the with the with the three verses before you go to the chorus. <laughs> yeah, you know, and and the and the um the things songs that were just harmonized with inversions all the way. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, mm-hmm. those things, and then Bert back well. Bert Bacharach, you know, Bacharach and David Barryman and Cynthia, the, 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 the Brill Building songwriters. Yeah. Really. 
uh, because they were there was good talent there and and there were some real gems and so i'm coming from that era where each song had a personality yeah whether you like it or not it had a personality and it, there were usually something in there so that you could identify there's a lot of crap at the same time you know mm -hmm. every mm -hmm. era has its crap and the crap is the is the majority so yeah nobody is denying that but what i find is that nowadays these songs sound the same i would agree they sound the same um you you get to dance hall as you say your dance hall the, i admire the ingenuity of the guys who put together their accompaniment yes yeah. and um the fact that uh, sometimes uh, in in a, in many cases the track itself the rhythm track fits is is compatible with what the vocal is mm -hmm. right whatever the rap is about you know the dance hall dj is about and and i that i can admire but why is it i don't want to i don't need to play them again <laughs> yeah okay because you know as that br songs has seen it all yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah. and um maybe 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 what we're supposed to do is is be bizarre you know <laughs> well that's that tends to be what stands out for me anyway and usually you know it's a thing that if they're just being completely different and completely unusual then i go oh that's nice uh you know so so i really that's why i don't really get the fascination of trying to do what everybody else is doing but um hey anyway peter we've been talking for a while um <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, I know. You're just waking up. Um, no. <laughs> it's at, at one thirty-six in the morning. We've been speaking no. for an hour and a half. Wow. Yes, yes, yes. Wow. So I'm gonna have a lot of editing to do. Yes, um, because most of it is crap. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, most of it is rubbish. It's uh, just, you know, <laughs> it's just an old guy and <laughs> a bitter old guy. <laughs> No, but most of it is, is good. Most of it is good. <laughs> the bitter old um, Have you seen, for instance, um, 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 talking about bitter old men, right? Quincy mm -hmm. Jones. I don't know. What is it? Tourette's syndrome with Quincy? Quincy apparently turns into, you know, the old, bitter old jazz man every now and really? then. Yes, yes. And, and he's um, like he thought the Beatles were, he hated the Beatles. Really? Yeah, man. He saw there, there are a bunch of things, and and they are they are a disgrace, and they shouldn't be calling themselves musicians. Read, read, read it up. Okay. And it's his daughters, his daughters. You have to pull that back. Eventually, I went and you know had a talk with Paul McCartney and thing on there, and they <laughs> sort of made up, you know. But Quincy, okay. but but he was running his mouth off about the Beatles, about. He said some stuff about Michael Jackson. Also, he said some. Said some, oh, yeah. He said some. Some. Oh yes, in some interviews, and I yes, think yes. in a, in a, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And and um, it, that is the side of Quincy Jones that people don't see so much of. You right. Know, the little trumpet player that you know paid his dues, you know, and, and played <laughs> the thing there's band, you know, and 
went on tours all over the place. You know? mm-hmm. So, which which is the old jazz man, you know, the old road warrior, right? Kind of right. Thing, you know, and and those guys are some of them are nice, and if you catch them on the right side, they're wonderful people, and if you catch them on the wrong side, they're <laughs> bitter old men that are miserable and they're they're real assholes sometimes. And um, it's interesting how Quincy still has that in there, you know. Yeah, but I think he's at this this age now where he just doesn't care. Yeah, you know? yeah. he don't care. Just drop his jaw. Yeah. As, as, as they say, he's spilling the tea. He's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's you know, letting out everybody's business. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, all, the, all these things that we in the show business who know, you know, and you, and you don't you just be polite about it. You keep yeah. it to yourself, yeah. But it's like, no. oh, there's a, we, is that we a microphone? We it amongst ourselves, you know. You know. <laughs> Um. <laughs> yeah. These are things in the industry, the things that we know. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, we know yeah. who is the flaming queen, and if the yeah. public ever knew this, and who right. is who is a really nasty person, and who is a wonderful person, yeah, you know, and, and who yeah. is given a bad rap and thing. Um, Alvin, I, I will give you this. Um, Alvin, oh God, where did Alvin learn to be so corny? Alvin <laughs> called me to tell me that that. Um, Ice-T. Ice-T is married to, to his wife is Coco. I think he, he um, Alvin was explaining that he married this girl Coco mm-hmm. at a time when, when he was, when he was still a rapper and he's right. passionate to have a trophy wife. Mm-hmm. But they've been together for 20 years. So maybe it was, you know, a little bigger than just trophy wife. Mm-hmm. Apparently they've, <coughs> they've got used to each other, let's say. Right. And so he was saying, you know, yeah, about it. yeah, they've been together this long. But he just think there, iced tea and cocoa. You can, it's cocoa tea. <laughs> you know, all you can do is just go, oh, groan. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the damn fool had, a, had the emerity to laugh. <laughs> cocoa tea. I can hear I've been telling that story. Oh. Oh boy! Yeah, man, Peter. All right. Uh, anyway, all I, right. Thank you, thank you, sir. All right. Again, yeah, we talk. Soon. Yeah, man. Okay. All right, Peter. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah.